Today, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary as a church. Yes, I'm so happy and excited, and it's so amazing that we get to do this. I can't believe it. Just I was like, remarking to a number of you earlier that like it just feels like yesterday we were piling all this stuff into we were piling all this stuff into our apartment uh, and just trying to get everything here to start uh, our very first service. And here we are a year later, and we're doing it. And uh, again, if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you here. Did we lose something? Did we cut out? All right, cool. Well, we are here, and we are going to stay here for a while. It's been amazing. Over the last year, we've seen people commit to Christ. We've seen people's lives change. We've seen a bunch of things happen and start in our community. And we are so excited about what the future is going to be, not just for this church, but for ourselves individually. And so we're, we're just really, really excited. And so the question comes to mind uh, when we started a year ago, how do we continue going? How do we continue to press into the things that God has for us? How do we stay strong and persevere? How do we continue to grow? How do each of you as individuals continue to grow in your relationship with God and who God has made you to be? How do we do this? And um, I'm really excited uh, to talk about it. But like as I was preparing for this talk, I was I was I have this this temptation to really uh, uh, to to like focus on uh, motivational speakers. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, I was like, man, I really want this to be super motivational. And I want everyone to be super inspired. And like, I'm going to make it really motivational. Rah, rah, rah. Let's go take on the world and let's eat lots of tacos afterwards. It's going to be great. And it got me thinking, and I want to ask you the question, who are some of your favorite motivational speakers? Who are they? Like, just shout it out. Like, no one's going to care. Just... Brene Brown. Ooh, very good. Yes. Make... Yeah, I cried by myself watching. Uh, Wait, I'll interrupt what I was going to say. Did I hear my name? (laughs) Guys. uh, I'm kidding. I'm blushing. It's really hot up here today. Uh, Yeah. Okay, cool. So Brene Brene Brown, Chris Meekins is another one. um, So good. So good. I'm waiting for someone to say Jesus. Uh, Someone always does it. It's Jesus. (laughs) And the wife is like, stop. Um, How about Tony Robbins? That's a good one. Um, Barack Obama, he's solid. Um, But I want to talk to you about the worst motivational speaker of all time, and he's totally fictional. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Matt Foley, motivational speaker. (laughs) Matt Foley, motivational speaker. And if you don't know who this is, it's a character played by Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live. And what he does is, so the family realizes that the kids have have not been doing well. They've been smoking doobies. And so Phil Hartman, the father, that's, that's an actual line. He hires Matt Foley, the motivational speaker, to come and speak to his kids, to try to get them on the right track. And the name of his talk is called Go For It. And so then he invites them out. And what they quickly realize is that Matt Foley is a motivational speaker, but he's a motivational speaker in the absolute worst way. It's not because of what he says that motivates people. It's because his life is in shambles. His life is terrible. And he'll say things like, and he says, you think that you're going to go take life by the horns and you're going to take it and wrap it around and put it in your pocket. Well, you will find, and then he goes like this, as you will go out there, you won't amount to jack squat. And then he goes on to say, he says, he says you're going to find yourself living on a steady diet of government cheese, living in a, down by the, that's right, that's right, living in a fan down by the river. And what he understands 
And this is what, so, and so what he understands, and you got to get this, is that everybody has a dream. Everyone is excited about what the future could be and should be. Have you ever talked to an 18 year old going into college? They're going to be like, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to be an English major and get rich. <laughs> and um, you're going to be a, like me, a political science major. And you're going to get a job at the political science store afterwards. <laughs> or you'll start your own church. <laughs> and inside everyone's heart and inside everyone's mind, including Matt Foley, motivational speaker, everyone has a dream. Everyone has a vision. Everyone has a preferred future of what could be and what should be. And our actions in the present determine the trajectory of our future. That's the truth. Um, but the truth is, the other truth of it is, that isn't all that easy. Life isn't easy. Now, one of the best quotes from one of America's greatest scholars comes from no one other than Mike Tyson, Iron Mike Tyson. Now, maybe you've heard this quote. I think this quote really summarizes one of the things that we see. Now, if you don't know who Mike Tyson is, he used to punch people in the face for a living, but now he's retired and he has a face tattoo and appears in movies. And so one of the things he said is this, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face. Everyone has an idea of what the future should be for their life, about their marriage, about the people they meet, about the kind of influence they have, what they want their career to be, what they want their career not be. Uh, everyone has an idea of like, if you're a leader in this church, what you want your community group to be, what you want your family to be, what you want this church to be. Everyone has a plan and everyone's going for it until you get punched in the mouth, until you hit a setback. And the fact is life is full of setbacks. Life can be hard, and in this life, we experience difficulties. In this life, we will experience heartbreak and hardships, and in this life, things don't always go as planned. Now, some of life's setbacks, some of life's difficulties, some of life's hardships are the result of our own choices, our own desires, our own mistakes, and these choices sometimes lead to unwanted consequences. Now, on the other hand, some of life's hardships and setbacks and difficulties are out of our control. For instance, some people are where they are in life because of the family of origin they were, they were brought into the world by. You can't control who your parents are. Some people have experienced an unwelcome surprise or they experienced an accident or even a divorce that shaped their future and what they thought about life. And then other people have even experienced... Uh, setbacks because of their race or their ethnicity or even their religion. Setbacks are everywhere. They happen to everyone and setbacks can keep us from chasing after the adventure that we see for ourselves. But more importantly, the adventure that we believe God is inviting us into as a church and us into as individuals. And if we're going to chase the big vision that God has for us in our lives now, if we're going to chase after the big vision that God has for this church through us, we've got to get realistic about what lays ahead. There will be setbacks. There will be difficulties. There will be questions. Even Jesus remarked to the disciples. He goes, here's a real truth for you. Here's a real barn burner. In this world, you will have troubles. Take that to the grave. You will have troubles. The question is, how do we respond to life's difficulties? How do we respond to life's setbacks? Now, there's a lot of people that think all you need to do is have a more positive attitude. Maybe you've heard the saying, when life hands you lemons, you make, you throw them back at people. No. <laughs> when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. 
Uh, other people, they pretend like they don't have problems. They, this happens especially to people that are Christians. And they go, well, I just don't have any problems. I've been following Jesus. They actually, what that is is they feel an outside pressure to look good because they claim that they follow God. And if their lives aren't really following that example, then they feel like, oh, man, I'm not really good at it. So I need to fake it until I make it. And that's just not, that's just not realistic. Some people, yeah, but thank you, by the way, George. And also, this is a participatory thing. If I get your feedback, it's not just for me, but it's for you. So let's just get involved here for like the next uh, three hours that I'm going to speak. <laughs> so like, come on, like if you're, if you're like, that's true, uh, say that's true. But if it's like, boo, like just keep that to yourself. Just only real positive stuff <laughs> for each other. Okay. Um, where am I right now? So they, like, there's, there's people that think you just need a positive attitude. Well, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Or we just try to put up these walls to make it seem like we don't have any problems. That is not going to work for me. And that shouldn't work for you. I believe there's a better solution. And the Bible actually offers us a solution that's meaningful. It's something deeper and it's something real. It goes far beyond little sayings. It goes far beyond pretending, uh, even though that doesn't really work. And today, I believe that in this room right now that God wants to draw close to you. He wants to draw close to you in this place. Some of you have questions. I believe that God can begin to give you those answers today. Some of you, your hope is failing. And I believe that God wants to give you a renewed sense of hope this morning. And I'm going to do my best to try to present this solution to you. So I've called today's talk, The Future is Now. I'm going to pray and invite God's presence. And then let's take a look at some things together. Okay? God, we are so grateful for this church and what you've been doing. And I'm so grateful for using me. I'm so grateful that you're using these people that I get to work with every on, on a weekly basis and throughout the week, God. And I ask that you would be with us now, that you would begin to speak and talk to people and that you would lead them to a place of hope and a place of vision for their lives, God. And God, I ask that you would equip people in this room to be ready for the setbacks and the difficulties that they may face. Show us how to align with what you're doing in the world, God, but also show us how to prepare for the difficulties we may face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the Bible. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, it doesn't matter. We're going to put it on the screens for you. Uh, And we're going to be taking a book of the Bible called Hebrews. Hebrews, it's in the New Testament. And Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews was writing little background on the book. He was, he was writing to Hellenistic Jews. His intended audience was Jewish Jesus followers in the first century. Okay, and that's important to know. And at this time, these Jesus Jewish followers were experiencing tremendous persecution. They were being killed. They were being pursued at the fullest extent of the law. So the writer wrote this letter to encourage these believers who were suffering and point them to Jesus, but also the life and teachings of Jesus. And so into this world of pain and into this world of persecution and trials and difficulties, we drop into the story and this writer encourages everyone. And he starts this way in Hebrews chapter 12. He writes, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, quick side note. Whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask what it's there for. Um, 
What is it there for? And in the preceding chapter, which we don't have time to go into today, basically what he does, the writer is, hey, there are people that have come before you and they are, they have lived the faith. They have sacrificed. They have made the difficult decisions, even though they didn't know what the outcome would be. And he lays out all these people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David, and all these people, men and women, they saw the difficulties that laid ahead, but they exercised faith. And they took a step out, even though they didn't know what was going to happen. They understood, <coughs> they understood <laughs> what is going on. <coughs> they understood that faith is spelled R I S K risk. Faith is spelled like being taking risky uh, steps out and in, in life. And they understood that. And so the writer here says, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You've got supporters. You're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. There's a history and a legacy of both men and women who have gone before you, who are cheering you on, who have fought the good fight, and who are setting an example and a precedent for you to follow. You are not alone. Since we're surrounded by all these people that have done the hard thing, they've pushed, even though life was difficult. They made their way through life. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. Since you people who are facing hardship and persecution and trials and setbacks and difficulties when you face these things since you are surrounded by others who have overcame here's my encouragement to you and this is what he writes therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a good set of companies, such a good set of people, since you are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, here's what you do. You run the race. You run the race marked out for you. You run the race that's available to you. So how do we actually do this? How do we actually run the race that's marked out for you and for me? How do we do this? Well, there's two points I want to talk about today. And the first one is this. The first way we run the race marked out for us is we get rid of any heavy weights that are slowing you down. Get rid of any heavy weights that are slowing you down. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. He writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, obviously, this is a metaphor here. We're not actually going out for a jog after this. And if we're going to run the race, if we're going to run the race, if we're going to sell out to the vision, if we want the preferred future to come crashing into our present, we've got to get serious about throwing off the things that are hindering us. We've got to get serious about taking these things, the personal things out of our lives that don't belong there. We must become relentless in this pursuit. Let me give you an illustration. My wife, Nikki, used to uh, run full marathons, and I used to train for full marathons, but end up doing the half marathon. It's because of my weak legs. And then also, you may need to know this, uh, Patrick Vukovic. Has anyone ever heard of him in our audience? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I need equal cheering for this guy, too. Has anyone ever heard of Michael Bear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're both training for a marathon, I heard. 
Yeah, they're training for a marathon. So my wife used to train for foals. I used to train for us. They're, they're both training for a marathon that's for a good cause. And you can learn about how to join up with that good cause. Not going to go into that commercial break right now. But basically, they're training for a marathon. And what would you think if Patrick or Michael or myself, what do you think if they showed up to race day and they were wearing a super heavy parka jacket, they were wearing really heavy jeans and like some really big boots? What would you say? You'd be like, yo, like, I'm no expert in running marathons, but you're not going to do very well. You can't do that. You got to go change. You got to put on something light and fun. Might I suggest this new line from Lululemon? <laughs> you would say, what if Michael put on a backpack full of bricks? And he was just like, let's go. Let's run the race. You'd be like, this is so stupid. Take the bricks off and jog your little heart out, Michael. You would never tell him or advise him to keep those bricks on. You would step in. Even if you knew nothing about race running, you would tell him to not do that. What if Patrick put on a pair of Christian Louboutin stilettos or whatever they're called? And he's a, they're just beautiful. These are red bottoms. These are bloody shoes. What if he was... What if, I know you'd be like, dude, take those shoes off and sell them for cash and make a generous donation to Pacific City Church. That's what you would tell him to do. You got... And the, there are things... That are unhelpful for running a race. In the same way, there's things in our lives that are unhelpful for our lives. There are some things that hinder. There are some things that he calls sin. There are some things that are entanglement. So what are things that hinder? What are? What is sin? What is sin? What are entanglements? What are these things? Well, sin, I'm going to define it for you. Sin is something that affects everybody even if we don't believe in God. According to Jesus, sin is not just doing the wrong things for the wrong reason. Sin can also be doing the right things for the wrong reason. The Christian philosopher, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Soren Kierkegaard. He once said that he defines sin as building your identity around something, anything other than God. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure what you believe about God or you're not sure that God exists, wow, you came to a church on Sunday morning, attaboy, or girl. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll just do the clapping here. I don't, want, I don't want to call anyone out. That's amazing. And if you came here and you're listening to this right now, regardless of what you believe about God or your unbelief in God, the fact is, is it doesn't matter in this situation because when you look around life, people build their identities. That's who they are, what they value. They either build them on someone or something. Okay, for example, people build their identities, their value, their success on their careers and jobs. That's, that's not surprising. People sometimes build their identity uh, to their child or their child's development. Does the child make me look good as a parent? People build their identity around their beauty, looking good, staying fit, appearing to be desirable. People even build their sense of identity or who they are as a person based on a romantic relationship. And sometimes it's not even a romantic relationship. Sometimes people build their identity upon how much love and admiration they get from the crowd or how much uh, feedback they get from social or whatever it is. But what you need to hear, please hear me on this. There's nothing wrong with being successful in business. Every one of you this year, I'm praying that you'll go out and make $5 million. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's also nothing wrong with being beautiful, obviously. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with being a great parent and raising a great child. That's good. Sin isn't just doing bad stuff. 
The deeper definition of sin is that it reveals in our hearts the greed and the pride, believing that we have the ability to take the stuff of life and turn it into the ultimate meaning of life. So sin is turning a good thing into an ultimate thing that should you lose that thing, life wouldn't be worth living anymore. In other words, sin is misdirected loves. And so whenever our loves are misdirected, whenever we build our identity on anything in life apart from God, we set ourselves up to be connected in a way that's unhealthy. We've replaced with the things of God and tried to fill it. We've replaced who God is and what he wants for us with the things of God, and it just doesn't work. For example, if a mom builds her identity around being a mother, she raises the child, she feeds the child, She's kind to the child. She builds into the child. She makes personal sacrifices uh, in her marriage and in her career uh, and in her relationships with others uh, for the child. And she begins to connect her success as a parent to the success of the child. If she begins to live vicariously through the child's life, if if that child, for any reason, ceases to become what she wants that child to be, If the child, God forbid, if the child passes away suddenly, if the child rebels, if the child grows older and slowly drifts away from the parents, since the mother's identity is built around the child, she will be crushed. She will be destroyed. Her life will no longer have meaning. It's the same for anything. The same example could apply to someone who has built their identity around their career. What happens when a person builds their entire life around money or power or influence? What happens if he loses his job? What happens if he experiences an unforeseen set of circumstances which results in his complete financial ruin? Think it won't happen to people in this room. It's happened to people throughout history. What happens when you lose everything and everything you have was your life and how you thought about yourself? What are you going to do? What if he loses everything? He will be crushed. The fact is the power of sin and that is is the power of our misdirected loves. The power of our misdirected loves have the ability to weigh us down and keep us from running the race that we're supposed to run. So let me ask you a personal question. What are your misdirected loves? What are the areas that you would say you need to be honest about? Is it a relationship, a set of relationships? Is it your beauty? Is it your social standing in the community? Is it your job? What are the things that you have in your life that if you're really honest, if you lost those things, you would be concerned about living your life? It wouldn't work anymore. Friend, you were not intended to live that way. There is a better way. And if you want to run the race that God has set out for you, you've got to get relentless about throwing aside and reprioritizing things in your life. It doesn't mean you get rid of your kids. It doesn't mean you quit your job. Like, don't do that. Don't hear me on that. You don't get rid of those things, but you reprioritize, you throw off the order and you consider a new order that Jesus may be giving to you. So that's one of the ways. How do we run the race marked out for us? Here's a second way. How do we run this race marked out for us? We get rid of the heavy weights that are slowing us down. Second is we keep your eyes fixed on the finishing line. 
Look what he says here, the writer of Hebrews. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we persevere? How do we stay strong? And how do we finish well? Well, the text says, fix our eyes on Jesus. And what this is, is this is a metaphor for our love and our attention and our affections. Now, the issue with this statement of fixing our eyes on Jesus is that it's often misunderstood. Many people think that Christians in general are motivated to fix our eyes on Jesus based on their fear or their pride. Oh, if I don't fix my eyes on Jesus, Jesus is going to come beat me up. That couldn't be further from the truth. Other people think that you need to throw off sin so that God will love you. This is also very far from the truth. This is interesting. This is really interesting because the writer of Hebrews is actually saying something that's pretty scandalous. And it flies in the face of society's common understandings of religion. And if you've been to this church, maybe you've heard me talk about this. There is a difference between religion and gospel. Gospel means good news. And what we're referring to is means it literally means the good news of Jesus. And there is a difference between religion and the good news of Jesus. What is it? Well, religion says, I obey. Therefore, I am accepted by God. But gospel says, the good news of Jesus says something very different. It says, I am accepted by God through what Christ has done. Therefore, I obey. And if you wanted to apply it to this uh, staying strong and fixing our eyes on Jesus, it's not, I fix my eyes on Jesus. Religion would say, I fix my eyes on Jesus. Therefore, God loves me. It would be, I, uh, God has already shown his love to me through Jesus. Therefore, I fix my eyes on him. And that's something I believe that the world needs to hear, that Jesus has already done everything necessary for us to have a relationship with him. And when we turn to him, we are aligning with someone that's already said, come on in. I welcome you in. And this means also that two people sitting in a church service at 10 a.m. on Montana Avenue, two people can be listening to the very same message And they can be motivated in very different ways, which results in very different outcomes. Some of you can hear the message of fix your eyes on Jesus and go, I just need to do better. I just need to work harder. And just maybe, just maybe God will just love me a little bit. And some of you get it and you say, God has already loved me and I turn to you and I welcome your power and presence. And you see, this is what makes Christianity unique. We don't have to get this right so that God loves us. God already loves us and gives us the spiritual power to do the right thing. And the essence of the gospel is that we don't really do this just to remember so we feel better. Whenever we're feeling down, we remember that Jesus did it. What he's getting at here is that when we look and keep our eyes on Jesus, we're actually focusing not just on a person in history. We're actually focusing on a real person that offers us real spiritual power. That by dying on the cross and rising, he demonstrated he had death over those things. And Christians throughout the centuries have believed that if the resurrection happened, everything changes. Like if a dead guy came back to life, we want to pay attention to what the dead guy said, who came back to life. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it means that we're fixing our hope on something bigger. It means that our hope for the Christian 
is not rooted in some sort of positive thinking. It's not rooted in working harder. And it's not rooted in getting some really good advice. Our hope is rooted in a real person who offers us real spiritual power right here, right now. And this means that when we face opposition and when we face setbacks and when we face problems, we have a deeper and more profound truth. We don't need to grow weary and lose heart. Yes, the future is bright and exciting and powerful. And yes, there will be setbacks, but we can overcome because he has overcome. And we can run the race that's set before us because he is there to help us finish the race. And it means that the possibilities for you and me are endless. It means there are people that God wants to influence through you that you don't even know about yet. It means there are commitments that God may be calling to you today that could change the course of history. You have no idea what God wants to do with your life. And we have no idea what God may want to do through this church, through Pacific City Church. And so today, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. You should clap for yourselves. And if you're new here, you're like, I'm not one of them. You can clap anyway. I'm not coming back. Uh, We are celebrating. And as I look around this room, I see a cloud of witnesses too. I see a great cloud of witnesses. By faith, a handful of people, like I'm talking like two, three, two or three people got together and we started praying. And by faith, we believed that our experience with God wasn't just for us and it wasn't unique, but it was something that could be democratized and given away. And we believed that by faith, That we were so supposed to plant and plan and grow. By faith, we began to do things in our community that impacted lives. And by faith, I watched you work with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit led people into relationship with him that freed them from their problems, their brokenness. It gave them a sense of purpose. We even saw people be able to conquer their addictions as a result of this church. And by faith... I stand before you as a witness and a testimony to your faithfulness. You ran the race. You were a small but mighty band of Jesus followers who believed that you could make a difference in L.A. And so as we look to the future, as we continue to throw off everything that hinders us, and as we look to run the race marked out for us, uh, the race that God wants uh, for us, I believe that he is inviting us to do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. And that's why today we are exercising our faith by launching five new opportunities, five new ministries that we believe will keep in step with what we believe God is doing in our city and in our church. Would you like to hear them? All right, let's do it. Let's talk about them. Yeah. And uh, this is something we started in uh, in May, and we prayed about it, and we built teams, and we started organizing, and now we are going to officially today launch these ministries. And we're going to start doing ministry activity, uh, things that will be helpful for us, but also for our community. Let's get it going. Uh, Here's the first one I want to talk about. Pack City Community. This is one that we're launching. Um, Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, I like when it's not enough woos. It's just like, the one person. It's my favorite. You know, I don't know why. Anyway, Pack City Community. 
By faith, the Pack City community uh, team is launching new community groups. They're offering retreats. They're offering education. It's all there to help us grow closer together. We believe that life is better lived together. And we believe that circles are better than rows. Very fascinating that you would come and sit in these rows and hear and be willing to listen to me talk for like, you know, however long I'm going to talk. But it's better when we're circling up with each other, discussing things of faith and life and how do we deal with this or that. That is where actual spiritual growth happens. That's where actually real relationship happens. And so we want to give that to you. And our hope is that you would be able to develop the kinds of relationships that would help you to become what God intended you to be. So that's Pack City Community. And if you're not in a community group, you can sign up for one in the courtyard during our party. Now, the second one is this Pack City Empower. By faith, we are launching Pack City Empower. They're going to launch this thing called CoLab. It's a monthly opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit in prayer and worship. And they'll offer prayer training and listening prayer workshops. And our hope is that you would be able to discern and recognize God's voice. And that would change the way you live your life. And that you would no longer be guided just by your best ideas in your own head. But you would be able to tap into the spiritual power that's available through you to you through Jesus. And that you would be able to become something bigger than yourself as you tap into that spiritual power. There's ways for us to grow and understand and hear God's voice. And as a church, we believe that God hasn't developed some sort of cosmic laryngitis. But rather, he still speaks and guides us today. Pack City and power. Third one, Pack City Social. Uh, Pack City, yeah, 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 I'm going to, by faith, the Pack City social team will throw events that will give people a chance to initially connect with one another. I've always said that Christians need to throw better parties. And our hope is that some of you would be able to bridge the gap between your Christian life and the life uh, that is happening in your community. Like, what does it look like for us to just go out there and do really normal things and throw really good parties and connect with people that uh, give us an opportunity to lead lead and care for people outside of our church, even though they might not believe what we believe, they might not behave how we behave, they may not serve or come to our services on Sunday. We want to have an impact in the community in that way because it's the right thing to do. And Pack City Social will be leading the edge on that. Uh, fourth one, Pack City Women. <laughs> By faith, Pack City Women. This is, my, uh, this is one of my top five ministries. Uh, I'm just kidding. There's only five we're launching. Uh, Pack City Women, is cre- they're actually creating a platform to connect and grow in, uh, women. Uh, so they can uh, have influence and leadership both inside the church and outside the church. They want to empower and equip each other to move forward with their talents and be able to impact their community. And the hope is that um, too many times we, uh, we actually see women who are ill-equipped for certain kinds of things, uh, tasks in the world. Like they just don't get the, they, they just get overlooked in so many ways. And our hope that our hope is with this ministry that women might be properly equipped to move beyond just women rallying together and saying, yay, we're women. And to move beyond that, to give women an opportunity uh, that will be bigger, to take a hard look at the issues of gender, of uh, inequality, and to ask God to speak a vision over women's lives that actually makes a difference in our world. And I'm really excited about it. And then the last one is Pax City Impact. 
Uh, Pack City Impact will continue to serve the poor with OPCC, care for families in transition in the Upward Bound House. We're going to mentor families with the Upward Bound House. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and we're going to have them work with Pack City. And so the hope there is that this would lay the groundwork for changing our community. That a, that a spiritual uh, generosity would be released among us, and it would be so powerful and palpable to the community around us, it would really demonstrate God's love through tangible actions. So there you have it. That is what we're launching. That is what the future holds for us as a church. It's not just Sunday mornings and maybe coming to a community group, but there are ways that we want to impact the city. And as we face the future, we need to remember that there will be setbacks. And we can overcome those through the power of Jesus. And friends, I just want to close by saying this. The future is now. By faith, we will trust God to lead us into the future. And my hope is that you would join me in this next season to welcome God's power and presence into every area of our church. It does not require a fancy degree. It does not require that you become more religious And it doesn't require that you agree with everybody on everything in the room. It requires men and women, young and old, smart and not so smart, famous and regular people to stand with me and ask the question, what would it look like for God to work through you and me to impact this community? And if we pursue this vision, there will be setbacks, there will be troubles, there will be difficulties. But because we are trusting in the power and direction and leadership of Jesus, it means that when we fall down, we can get back up. And when we make mistakes, we can pick ourselves back up and learn from them. And when they go low, we can go high. And when the odds are against us, when it looks like everything is going to fall apart, we can stand with the confidence of God that he is leading us into the future. What if, what if as a result of this church and the ministries and your participation, your commitment and participation to it, what if there were relationships in our lives that got healthier? What if there were marriages that were saved? What if we can make uh, an impact on the conversation around homelessness in our city? What if we could actually give women the tools to begin to shape and discuss uh, the, the whole problem of sexism and pay gap in the city? What if Christians learn to throw really good parties and build a sense of community? What if? And what if? What if? What if people got to experience the real Jesus. The possibilities are endless. The future is now. And we're invited. Will you all stand with me? I'm going to invite the band back up. Yeah, we can clap for ourselves. Yeah. Man, I'm so excited. I am so excited. Uh, What we do at this point is we sing one more song and we give people a chance to respond to what God's doing. Now, we invite people to come forward if they feel led to come forward. And what that means is we're asking you to come forward. We're going to have someone pray for you on our team. And there's a a group I want to specifically invite forward. And these are people uh, that God is inviting you to take the next step, to throw off the things that hinder you and run the race that is marked out for you. And what I believe is, is if you are willing to come forward, I will pray with you or someone on our team will pray with you. We're going to ask God to give you the strength and the power and the resolve to throw off whatever it is that hinders and for you to be able to focus on what's important. And so if that's you, 
I want you to step out from where you are and come forward right here. We're not going to make a spectacle of you. So if that's you, step out from where you are. We would love to pray for you. You can respond to that. Step forward. A prayer ministry team, you can come forward as well. And then also there's a second group I want to invite forward. You know, you just feel led to one of these particular things that we're launching. And I want to give you an opportunity to step out from where you are and, uh, and, and welcome that into your life. And I would love for someone to pray for you, to seal that in your heart. Uh, so if that's you, why don't you make your way out uh, and we'll pray for you there. Uh, so if that's you, make your way out. Let's worship together one final song and then I'll come up to close us. So here we go.